This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Yes, welcome to it. It is the Hot Stove. Gary Hill here alongside Rick Riz. Shannon Dreyer, we missed you last week. Shannon, it's great to see you. Good to be back. Hello, Shannon. Hi, Gary. Rizzy, hey, uh, your chair. I'm sitting in Bob Stelton's <laughs> chair, and I <laughs> feel like seven I'm on feet stage. Tall. Yeah, like a Wimbledon judge uh, right now. I know that's out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's way up there. But uh, <laughs> Brady's here <laughs> as well cool. on the other side of the glass. Brady, who I just saw in person for the first time, oh. he has done 700 Mariner games. Are you sure that's Brady? Actually, no. It could be anybody. I, I could tell, though, the voice. It sounded like him. Okay. So it's great to see Brady in person. It is funny. Brady and Matt Nelson do all our games all year long, right? And we talk to them every single day for hours at a time, uh, yet never, never see them. them. He's got the Mariner's hat on. Yeah. He's ready to go. Yeah. And on, on on the board, he just showed me the board where they got a dump button. And it's a picture of Cal Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice touch. The big dumper. Oh, that's a nice touch. We've got a really fun show in store today. Paul Seawald's going to visit in the second hour. Uh, Paul is great. Yeah. It's going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, Shannon and I had a chance to catch up with someone who is very tough to catch up with, really, (laughs) anytime, but especially right now. Frankie Thon Jr., the director of international scouting for the Mariners, is going to be here. He's got some miles. (laughs) No one has more miles (laughs) than Frankie Thun Jr. So he's going to talk about the new class. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his job, which is super interesting. And he's pretty interesting, too. Yeah. Just wonder where he was. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he wouldn't say. Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, the, the international draft, we're talking about, you know, yeah. signing 16 and 17-year-old kids, you know, and the Mariners got some big ones, you know, down there. So it's it's really something. That's a lot of work to project, you know, where these kids are going to be at the age of 16, and they did a heck of a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also coming up, every week starting now, we're going to take a look at a team in the AL West. Uh, so we're going to chat with uh, Jared Sandler, who's part of the Texas Rangers broadcast team. The Texas Rangers are a super interesting team, and we're going to take a look at them closely. They've had a very active offseason. Larry Stone is going to be here as well, which is phenomenal. And one of our favorites, Perry Hill, will be oh, here yeah. as well. Love Perry. Yes. The best infield coach in the history of Major League Baseball? I think so. With all the gold glovers that uh, he tutored along the way, I love Perry. He's been an incredible addition. Yeah. Plus, there's no way you could really argue with that. Exactly. There's there's no way to measure it. So you can, you can keep making that claim. And, infield exactly. coach Hall of Fame, he would be He'd absolutely. Be in it. He would be in it. I mean, just, just no keep controversy. saying it. Yeah. I, I know. If you say it enough, I mean, perception becomes reality. But it's true. reality with him. Because, I mean, when he was with the Tigers and when he joined the Tigers, they were the worst defense in Major League Baseball. And the following year with Perry, they had the best defense in uh, the American League. So uh, he's, he's something, and, and love talking with him. He loves the game. He'll be back. Uh, he'll be with us in a moment. Uh, and there was some big news since we did our last show. Felix. Oh, yeah. We didn't have a yeah. chance to talk about it. Yes. It broke right after we did the show last week. And I am so pumped for Felix Hernandez going into the Mariners Hall of Fame. Oh. I cannot wait. It was just to see him come out as he did during the postseason and just, the, I mean, the love affair that he has with his yeah. fan base. There's nothing more electric than seeing him take the field, and we're going to get to see that again and get to see him uh, take his rightful place. 
Yeah. In a court of sorts. <laughs> and nice. with the other Mariners Hall of Famers, just absolutely fantastic news. Yeah, we saw him as a kid make his major league debut in Detroit in 2005 and grow into one of the best pitchers in the American League, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the Mariners franchise. And to see Felix in his last game, after his last game, go down the left field line, stand on that little wall with everybody in Kings Court with the yellow T-shirts and the K cards, standing there with his hands in the air. Unbelievable. And those were just moments. Now he gets a complete weekend in August. I mean, how <laughs> yeah. fun is that going to be? Exactly. Yeah, if you're, making your, game. Yeah, if you're making your plans now, August 12th uh, against Baltimore at T-Mobile Park, that's the day. It'll be a weekend-long celebration, but that yeah. the, that's the day he's going in. Uh I would go ahead and make your plans to be there because yeah. it's going right to be now. phenomenal. Yeah. Probably not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, those weekends are so fun. And his connection to the fan base, and Shannon, you just pointed out, just seeing him again on the field for the playoff game, throwing out the first pitch, it was phenomenal. Mm. I can't wait yeah. to see him this weekend, uh, that weekend in August. Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, It's hard to believe that he's been gone for as long as he has been. But uh, to get to see that and uh, that connection uh, just continue, absolutely fantastic. Well, how many guys have had long careers, outstanding careers with one team? The team that drafted them, the team that, or the team that signed them, in his case, out of Venezuela, and stayed their entire career. He came real close. He was hurt, you know, went over to spring training with Atlanta, but never played or pitched for Atlanta. But he spent his entire career right here in Seattle. Those guys are few and far between. Yeah, I think he's got some pictures of him in a couple of different uniforms, but his baseball reference page, it's all mm-hmm. Seattle, so he's that's great. only a Mariner. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Good to know that distinction there. That's really <laughs> important. But man, when you think about it, we knew him when. We, we, I mean, all the way back to when he was, what, 17 and his yeah. cap was falling off all with the time. every pitch that he threw in his <laughs> yeah. spring training debut to the perfect game, uh, to the last game. And I'm feeling very old right now, but <laughs> it was worth it to get to see all of that. You know, he was so accountable, too. After every game, no matter how he pitched, yeah. and he always pitched great, but on the times that, that he didn't, he was there. He was there in front of his locker. Shannon, you were there in the clubhouse. He was there all the time, very accountable. Uh, one of the greatest teammates uh, you know, to ever put on a Mariners uniform and helped so many other young players, other young pitchers in that clubhouse along the way. He gave us all every time he took the field. Yeah. And you know what? I cannot imagine how emotional he is going to be. Oh yeah! Oh, for sure. You know, we talk about some guys are never going to make it through the speech. He's going to—that's—he's going to be right up there, right yeah. up there with them. Yeah, that's great. I can't wait. Can't wait. And I can't wait for Perry Hill. He comes up next. Hot stove is here. We'll come back with the Mariners' infield coach right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports, presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove, brought to you by Hatback. Great to have you with us tonight. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Shannon Dreher, as we welcome in one of our all-time favorites, Perry Hill, Mariners infield coach, is with us. Perry, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. How's your offseason? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, the offseason uh, was, was fun and exciting, but it's, um, it's time to get to work. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to Arizona. What's the offseason like for a coach like you, Perry, trying to get uh, acquainted with some of the new guys? Uh, Colton Wong is going to be our new second baseman. Uh, and how, how do you get ready for a brand new season? It's great to have you with us tonight, by the way. Thank you. Um, I just I watch a lot of video um, and just to see if I can pick up something that uh, we could tweak 
or uh, if not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I watch a lot of video, uh, even on our guys that have been here for a couple of years, you know, um, just to see if I can pick up something that maybe I missed along the way during the season. Perry, great to talk to you. What, what's a normal day in the off season like? What, what what would you do on a normal day away from baseball? Hi, Shannon. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, normal day. Well, I have a I have a son in high school. He plays basketball, so I'm I'm really the I'm an, I'm really the a glorified Uber. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to all kind of practices, and you know, when there's not a practice, I'm going to an open gym type thing, and and of course the games are going on right now, so that keeps me busy. But uh, usually in the morning, um, I'll do a little walk on the treadmill, and then I'll sit down in front of the iPad and watch video for about two hours. Now, if we went to one of those basketball games, would we hear a stop it here or there? Is that, or is that just a baseball term for you? No, that's just a baseball term. I sit there and, and sit on my hands so I don't say anything or do anything. Did they win I tonight? I know, I know you came from a game tonight. Did they win? Yes, they did. Nice. Yes. All right. Uh, yes. Nice. They did. I've been anxious to talk to you. What? Baseball is going to look a little different this year with a lot of the things that we'll see on the field. And I have been anxious to talk to you about how you think it's going to look from the defensive side of things with the restrictions on the shift. How that will affect how you go about it. Well, obviously we're going to have to overplay guys. And then we're going to have, you know, uh, first step quickness is going to have, is going to, uh, be a must for our for our guys. Um, for instance, you got a left-handed left-handed hitter. JP can't go over on the other side anymore, so he can stay on his side close to second. But now he's going to have to range to his left, you know, try to cover that if that ball's hit, you know, where he would have been standing last year. Same thing for for Colton. Um, if there's a right-handed hitter up; he's going to be close to second base. Uh, JP is going to probably be in the hole. So if that ball's hit 10 or 15 feet uh, on the shortstop side of second base, Colton's going to have to, uh, and Colton and Dylan Moore are going to have to like uh, work on their first step and, and the quickness and be able to uh, backhand those balls and hopefully convert them to outs. So it's going to be, it's going to be a little experimentation in spring training. And, you know, uh, we may tweak it, uh, here and there, uh, but um, I think yeah. It, to your point, it's going to be very different, and and uh, you know, range is going to be a, a factor uh, in this coming years. And the other the other thing too, Shannon is um, uh, the the bases are going to be bigger this year, so we're going to have to like make adjustments on uh, how we hold runners on, how we're going to receive pickoff throws. Um, so, uh, there's a lot going into it this year. A lot of new things. How much of an adjustment do you think that will be Perry? Is that something that is going to take days, weeks, longer? How do you kind of envision all of that changing and taking place? Well, I think we'll be comfortable with it. You know, maybe by the second week of games, there's going to be some, some, uh, a little feel out period, you know, and, and 
we may there may be some balls hit that we don't get to at first because things are new and and uh, positioning will be become a key factor in that. But I think you know as we get into you know the first five or six days of ground ball work and uh, putting all our uh, plays in, all of our defensive plays in. And then give us a week or two of game situations. I think we'll figure it out before the season starts. Absolutely. Talking with J.P. Crawford uh, last year, Perry, he said, I'm going to like it a lot with not having a defensive shift because now it can be a shortstop. You know, so many times behind second base or on the other side of the bag, he said, I can be athletic and make those plays. We mentioned Colton Wong. He had some really good years with the St. Louis Cardinals coming over from the Milwaukee Brewers. We mentioned his name tonight a few times. What can you tell us, and what have you seen so far in video or watching him down through the years? Uh, well, I've talked to Col- uh, Colton uh, through the years of crossing pass a lot, and I, uh, I've always told him I'd like to get him. I like I like him to be on our team someday. Uh, whether that was when I was in Miami, and then of course over here in Seattle. Uh, we almost got him before, and then we, I think we were down to the last two, and he chose Milwaukee. So it took us a while, but we got him over here. Yeah, um, we've talked a few times. Uh, you know, he's very athletic and um, a, quality, a quality second baseman. Uh, so, uh, but I have not seen him day in and day out. He mentioned to me that a couple of things that he would like to work on. So we'll fight, we'll figure out what those are and, and what he's talking about, and uh, that, that wall will be bouncing off. Uh, that ball will be bouncing <laughs> off the wall oh, yeah. early in, in the spring. Morning. Yeah, in the mornings. Yes. How how does that work when you go to spring training and you have a new player like Colton Wong? How how does that relationship develop when you have a new guy? <clears throat> well, first of all. Um, you just watch him for a few days. You know, you, you know, you don't you don't trade for a guy and then, and bring him over here and then, and then immediately just start tearing him down. Mm. He's, uh, so I've never seen him play like I mentioned before, day in and day out. So you know, you just watch, just watch what they do. If they have a question, that's what I call opening the door. If they'll open the door, then I'll bull rush it. But <laughs> but for but for four or five days, I'll just kind of watch and see, and then uh, either leave it alone because it's not broke, or if I see something that I think needs to be addressed, then we go out on the wall early uh, in the mornings before we go out on the field. Perry, what do you miss the most in the off season? Is it Ty France giving you a hard time every day? <laughs> a. Eugenio's singing to you. What 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 are you just so you cannot wait to see? And who who can you, who do you think about in one of these cold winter days when you're um, looking forward to your baseball? Well, after we uh, clinched the playoff berth, um, Ty and and Gino JP. Uh, they wouldn't start. They wouldn't stop pouring stuff on my head. It was just like constant. It was like That's thirty awesome. straight minutes. I said, there, "You know, there's other people in this room, guys. They like you." But gee, they just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. You know, those are good guys. They work hard, and 
Um, they'll put on a show for you guys, you know, when they come out and complain and gripe, <laughs> but they go right down there and, and, and they, and they, they do everything they're supposed to do. You know, all that is, that's a show for you. So you can like a laugh and then maybe write something about it or, or whatever. But, um, they're really hard workers and, um, they're coachable. And what I like about, I don't know Colton very well yet, but that uh, you can like you can get on them and get on them hard, and they don't pout and they don't uh, stop working. They they kick it in gear and they get after it and they they work hard. They're good guys. I re- I yeah. really enjoy our group. Yeah, they're hard workers because you're a hard worker. You know, they try, I think they try to you know keep pace with you, and uh, you <laughs> see that improvement uh, in in what you do. Uh, Perry, you, you have uh, nurtured and tutored so many young players who have won gold gloves, including J.P. Crawford a few years ago, even Evan White over there at first base. I think Ty France should have won a gold glove or, or two the last couple of years. What is the difference mm-hmm. between a good defensive infielder and a gold glover? What makes a gold glover? Well, in my opinion, and Shane has, has heard me talk about this, and Gary, too, is that <clears> – <throat> You know, wherever we position a player, you know, I, I like to look at like four or five steps to their left, four or five steps to their right, you know, five or six steps up. And I, and I connect all those and I call it the box. The box. If they make all those plays in that box, it does several things. Number one, it gets us outs. I talk about 27 outs no more all the time. Don't give uh, teams extra outs. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it does, it, it cuts down on the, the pitches that the starting pitcher throws, so he can go longer in the game. The other thing is it doesn't tax the bullpen. The bullpen's not overused all the time. So, in my opinion, when I vote for gold glovers, I look at the guys who make the plays that they're supposed to make. It's that simple for me. Yeah. Hmm. If, if that ball's hit in that little box that I talk about, that should be an out every single time. And those are the kind of consistent infielders that that I like. Those those guys that convert those balls in the box to outs. And to me, that's the gold glover. Now the guy that makes the great you know plays uh, outside the box that I call and be athletic plays. Fine and good. I'll take those too. But I want the guy that makes the plays that they're supposed to make every day. You know, it's funny. In baseball, we measure everything. And defensive numbers, I don't think, are, are where offensive numbers are. But do you, how much data do you lean on during the course of a season? Well, you know, I'll, I'll ask. Uh, I'll call Jesse uh, Smith, our uh, head analytical guy, and, and I'll ask his opinion on things or you know, if we're not getting the certain balls that we're supposed to get to, or or a league average of maybe going toward our backhand or or, or where we stand, things like that, mm. and then that help that, that and then that helps me go back when I watch video to see if maybe we're not in a good ready position, maybe we're not ready when the ball's in the hitting zone. There's got to be something the cause of our numbers not being where they should be. Mm. So yes, I, 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 uh, talk to those guys from time to time 
And then uh, that opens my eyes when I look at video. So I, I know what to really zero in on. Perry, you've been around this game for so long. 1976, your first year in professional baseball as a player in the minor leagues for six years, coaching in the minor leagues, coaching in the big leagues for many, many years with a number of uh, big league clubs. So fortunate to have you here. Almost 48, 50 years in professional baseball. You, you obviously love it. How have you stayed in this game for so long and do what you do so well? <laughs> you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. You just keep tricking them. You, just, yeah, you, you don't do that, tricking. buddy. You don't trick yeah. anybody. You just keep you tricking them. But what is it no, about I, to stay in the game that long like you have? Uh, well, uh, to me, it's um, I call it CPE, that I teach with CPE, and the C is for conviction. You know, you have to have conviction in what you teach. And not that you're not uh, open to new ideas and new things, but your groundwork, the principles that you teach, you have to have conviction. And you're not, and don't back down. Don't make people test you and try to uh, second guess what you're doing. Um, And obviously, Shannon knows this because she's down on the field a lot. I, I have very strong convictions in what I teach. And I'm willing to talk about it, but for everything that I do, I have a reason for doing it. Uh, the P stands for passion. If you don't have passion for your job, no matter what it is, then you're not going to be very good at it. Um, and the E is energy. When, you know, when I walk in that clubhouse door every day, I have to bring energy because the players feed off us, feed off the coaches. And so, um, I'm quite obnoxious at times. I'm very loud. Uh, I speak my mind. I don't hold back. You know, I tell you exactly what I think. And I can get a little loud at times. But um, I think if you, if you, in any job, if you go by the CPE, conviction, passion, energy, uh, that, that kind of, uh, sometimes that fools people and they keep you around a little while, a little while. <laughs> Uh, Perry, you are the absolute best. Thank you for taking so much time tonight. We really appreciate it, and we can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you in Arizona. Absolutely. Thanks, Perry. Thanks, Perry. Mariners okay. infield Thanks. coach Perry Hill, just the greatest. <laughs> I love talking to Perry. And he isn't tricking anybody. No. He brings it every day. He is what you what you see on the field and – and you talk to anybody on this ball club, any infielder, you know, how did you get better? What, what are you doing? Perry Hill, Perry Hill, Perry Hill. And uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have him. No doubt. NFL playoffs in full swing. The Hatback Bar and Grill, the perfect place to catch all the action. Come out this Saturday. Enjoy uh, the divisional round. Enjoy some great day vibes. Go to hatback.com to make a reservation today. More great baseball talk coming up as Larry Stone will be here. We'll talk some M's. We'll talk some Hall of Fame as well. I'm interested to get into that. We'll do that as the hot stove continues right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Shannon Dreyer all here as we are joined by the Seattle Times legend Larry Stone. 
Larry, I was going to ask how your off season is going, but we all know there is no off season for the great Larry Stone. <laughs> yeah, it just segues from one season into the next these days since I transitioned to the columnist role. But I did, uh, I did book my spring training flight today, so that made me feel right. good. What year is this now? Uh, well, I've gone every year since 1986, except for two years ago, the COVID spring. So I. It's something like 36 or 37. Wow. You've been around the game for a long How did you get started in this business, buddy? When and where? Well, <laughs> that's a good question, Rick. Uh, I had no intention of being a sports writer. I went to Cal Berkeley for college, and in my freshman year, there was a little ad in the school newspaper, the Daily Cal, that said they needed uh, sports writers. So it sounded fun. I, I liked sports i'd never really written too much so i went in and it just so happened that the guy who covered cal baseball had come down with mono the day before they were desperate for someone to cover cal baseball so they they sent me a novice out my first interview uh you you guys will know this name the great jackie jensen former uh uh, american league uh, most valuable player uh red sox and yankees and a cal legend so uh Interviewed Jackie Jensen, wrote a story, and they liked it, so they made me the beat writer for Cal Baseball, just fresh off the streets, and and that's how it started. The rest was history. Larry, what yep. do you what do you prepare for this year in baseball? Obviously, there was the big step back, the rebuild. They made it to the postseason last year. They made it past the wild card round. Now what? I haven't been here before. Now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, now it's sustaining it and taking the next step and seeing, you know, starting a, maybe a streak of, uh, of postseason runs. Um, I'm sure that's the goal. And to to get by the Astros, that's the next. I think that's for the Mariners. That's the next step on the uh, uh, itinerary. I think, and uh, that's going to be a, t- a tough task. The Astros, uh, you know, they're coming off World Series title. Um, they did lose some players, but uh, you know, they they have such depth. Um, it's going to be a fascinating battle because the, the the Mariners. They have a lot of young people who can who can take some steps forward, and they're going to have to 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 close that gap. How do you see the division? Because it's been a pretty interesting off season too for the Angels and Rangers this year. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. You know, the, the Angels continue to baffle when they have two <laughs> the word. two most yeah the the two most dynamic players in the game. You know, two of the top five for sure, and Otani and Trout. And yet they're 500 below 500 team, but they did, you know, they made they they, they made some some moves, and the the, the Rangers continue to be very aggressive. Uh, at some point, that's going to start transitioning to wins. Uh, you know, the, the one team that uh, will be continue to be the doormat will be the A's. I just don't see any hope for them. They, you know, some years they surprise you with their. You know, their young talent that no one really is expecting anything from. But I just don't see that being that kind of year for they did. They just seem uh, to almost have given up <laughs> in trying to, to build a contender. And it's a complicated situation with the stadium and everything. But, um, you know, the Astros, the team to beat, but the Mariners will have to, I think, more uh, uh, competition from, from below uh, also on the rise in the, in the Rangers and the A's. Or excuse me, the Rangers and the Angels. 
Larry, we've got the Hall of Fame uh, vote going on, and uh, we're going to find out uh, here in the next uh, few days. Um, you know, Billy Wagner, great chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Helton. Uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, uh, who, who's going to make it this year by the writers? Well, I think I think the number one, Rick, the, the, the guy who has the best chance is Scott Rowland, um, former Phillies, mainly Phillies, uh, third baseman, yeah. who came close last year. You know, our friend uh, um, Ryan Thibodeau, who does the, the tracker, has him at 79%, has Helton also at 79%. But that's only of, of known ballots, so that's right. not, uh, you know, that's not definitive. But uh, I think it's going to be, I think Roland's going to be right at that 75% threshold. He, he could go over or he could be a little bit under. Uh, I, I'm not sure. And I think Helton's going to be right there, too. I think those, honestly, those are the only two that have a chance this year. Though, as you mentioned, Wagner, I think, will get close. And uh, Andrew Jones uh, mm-hmm. will also be knocking on the door. You know, those, those two could, could maybe make it um, next year. Seems like a very different year when it comes to voting. Uh, it, it seemed like so easy to get to ten the last few years, and maybe this year not so much. Yeah, a lot of people went off the ballot this year, uh, including some, you know, all the controversial ones: uh, Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, all off the ballot. Uh, so, um, and uh, Ortiz went in the Hall of Fame. So there's four guys that. Uh, you know, they got a lot of votes last year that 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 aren't that aren't there. So uh, yeah, it's uh, this is the first time I haven't voted for ten in uh, over. Uh, I think uh, I think it's been like almost fifteen years hmm. since I didn't vote for the, been the maximum ten, but I just didn't see it this year. You take it very very seriously. What what do you look at when you put down a name for the Hall of Fame for a position player? And a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I just I pour over their stats. Uh, I think about their place in history. I try to, you know, the way you evaluate stats, as you guys know, has changed over the years, and it's kind of colored my thinking. Uh, somebody like Bobby Abreu, I probably wouldn't have voted for ten years ago. But you know, I you look if you look deeper into his his stats and uh, at, at other you know on base percentage war those kind of things it's a uh, it, it convinced me that that he that he got my vote um and <laughs> as, as you guys know it's not as uh, it's just not as simple either as as a guy's stat package because alex right. rodriguez and manny ramirez would would sail into the hall of fame if it was just stats now nowadays you have to you have to factor in the the whole performance-enhancing drugs thing, and now Carlos Beltran, a uh, whole new wrinkle, is on the on the ballot this year. Who was at the? Who's been called the mastermind of the Astros cheating scandal? So, do you vote? For, do you hold that against him? Even though, you know, but statistically, I, I I believe he's a Hall of Famer, but I didn't vote for for him. Just it just didn't seem right to give him a first ballot vote, uh, considering his role in that in that uh, sign stealing. Deal. So, I wish it were just as simple as evaluating the body of work. But these days, uh, for a long time, it hasn't been. And uh, you know, ever since probably McGuire went on the ballot, and then short, followed shortly by Bonds, Sosa. Uh, Sosa is another one who came off the ballot this year. Um, Clemens, Ramirez, 
A Rod, those guys, you, you have to you have to think about other things besides just stats. Larry, what's your take on what we saw this off season? It's, you know, very strange. We of course saw the numbers just get astronomical with a very mm-hmm. select few, but we also did not see the trades that we expected to see. I've heard some theories that you know the analytics have really evened out and organizations kind of all have the same info so they can better evaluate but do you think what we saw this year was uh, you know kind of a reaction perhaps to the new CBA and where they're at or do you think it was more of a trend well yeah it was it was fascinating and just at the winter meetings to see those deals coming down just staggering you know the length of the contracts were what surprised me more than anything i'm not i don't think i'm no surprised any longer by by the money deals, although Jerry Depoto had a funny comment uh, at the winter meetings. He said, "Yeah, for the twentieth straight year, you know, I was surprised <laughs> by the by the amount of, of dollars that people were getting." It, it, it always has amazed me how yeah. we, we, every year we're surprised by the numbers people get. But uh, I do think that you hit on on two two uh, reasonable theories that uh, you know the the CBA in place it gave. Uh, uh, teams, uh, you know, at least they know what the system's going to be. There's no mystery anymore, and the revenues uh, are are skyrocketing. And so teams are flush with money. A lot of teams are. Some teams, some teams claim they aren't. Uh, but uh, so there, there, there was a lot of money for teams to throw at guys. And as far as the the trades, I, I do think there's something to the fact that. Uh, you know, teams are too smart, almost too smart now. They don't. They, they may be suspicious of other teams if they're going after after their players because uh, what do they see that they don't see? Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I, I, and to a certain extent, it's probably cyclical. To next next spring, we may see a whole or next uh, winter, we may see a whole bunch of trades too. Larry, we're going to see some very big changes in the game of baseball this year. Looking forward to it. The pitch clock, you know, where a pitcher has to deliver a pitch in 14 seconds with uh, nobody on. Also, the defensive ships are going away. Uh, the uh, bases are going to be bigger. Are we going back to the future now? We're going to see two guys on the left side of the infield, two guys on the right side of the infield. I'm, I'm going to love it. Uh, what are your thoughts about the changes? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of- of both the pitch clock and mm-hmm. the shift ban. Uh, it's really frustrating to me. And I know it probably is to you to see, to see a ball that was a hit for a hundred years. And right. suddenly it's, it's particularly, yeah, it's just gobbled up by a guy playing uh short right field. And, you know, I don't hold it against teams that they should be doing it. It's the smart thing to do. It works. Uh, just look at the plummeting batting averages around baseball. But I just think it's a better game and with more offense if if uh, if you if you deploy them that way, where they have to have two on either side. I mean, I'm sure there's still going to be some some uh, maneuvering and some people trying to outsmart the system and 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 the like. But I I do think it's going to help the the left-handed hitter. Who the pull hitter? You know, Kyle Seeger is probably wishing that he could come out of retirement. <laughs> right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, he's. Uh, I think as good a career as he had, just think what he would have done without the shift and the pitch clock. Uh, you know, it just worked wonders in the minor leagues. Uh, not only were the was the speed of the game in, in, uh, improved and the pace of the game, but offense 
you know, Jason Stark wrote a, wrote a long piece detailing how the offense picked up as well, just because I think everyone was into the game more, maybe, or more alert or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's lots of theories, but um, yeah. I just think it'll be a crisper game with, with, with better pace, um, which is something that baseball has needed for a while. Well, Larry, you're the best. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And we can't wait to see you uh, for your 36th or 37th spring training this year. <laughs> but by, by the time I see you, I'll, I'll get a calculator out and figure it out. Oh, yeah, good. Right. We'll get you a, a cake down there and get some candles going, too. So. Thanks, All right. Larry. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate yeah, it. Looking Thank forward you, to Larry. seeing you guys. All right. Bye-bye. There it is, Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. An unparalleled sports experience coming to T-Mobile Park this season. The all-new Press Club 20 game plans now available to enjoy the spectacular views and incredible all-inclusive food and drink menu. Visit Mariners.com slash Press Club for some of the best seats in the ballpark for 2023 and All-Star Week. We talked about it a little bit in that conversation with Larry Stone. We touched on the division. We're going to dive into the Texas Rangers a little bit more and talk to one of their voices. Jared Sandler is going to join us coming up right after this on the Hot Stove. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hotback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Great to have you with us tonight. Of Paul Seawald coming up in a few minutes. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Shannon Dre are all here. We're going to dive into the Texas Rangers. We're joined by one of the voices of the Rangers, Jared Sandler. Jared, it is great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us from Texas tonight. We appreciate it. It is awesome talking to you all, especially because Aaron's not a part of this. I, uh, I don't look forward to this conversation even more. Yeah. So what do you – it's the second offseason in a row that Texas has been pretty aggressive. What do you make of their offseason? Thanks for the all, by the way. That made it very awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, this is the first full offseason in which Chris Young has you know, had full control. Uh, you know, he was sort of uh, learning under John Daniels. They had a you know, great relationship. There was no animosity there or anything. But, you know, it's his show now. And, uh, you know, he talked a lot about how – uh, he was tired of you know this team losing, and and he grew up here. Uh, he grew up a Rangers fan, and so maybe it it hits him a little harder. Uh, but uh, you know, he said he wanted to spend, and he said he you know they, they needed to upgrade the pitching staff. Obviously, he was a, a former pitcher, so uh, he's probably partial to you know Im- improving the production on the mound. And uh, they obviously didn't uh, uh, they didn't waste time getting Jacob Degrom, and and a lot of people are wondering after last off season how much money they had to spend, and you know they're not quite the San Diego Padres or anything. They certainly uh, they were not afraid to write some big checks again, and I mean it's you know, they went from having a rotation of, of guys who you know had very little major league experience, uh, and you know it, it kind of trying to establish themselves to now a full rotation of guys with big league experience. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully, guys can stay healthy. Hey, Jared, this is Rick. Thanks for joining us tonight to talk about the Texas Rangers. You mentioned Jacob deGrom, and with uh, Steve Cohen's money there with the New York Mets, you kind of figured that deGrom was going to go back and stay a New York Met. How surprised were you that uh, the Rangers indeed signed him, and did you have any inkling or everybody else that, uh, you know, this could possibly even happen and join the Texas Rangers? So, Rick, I knew... I'm not surprised that they spent as much money as they spent or had the capacity to do it. I did not think uh, Jacob DeGrom was going to become a Ranger. I, I, you know, you kind of mentioned 
you know, the Mets and Steve Cohen. Early on, there were reports tying DeGrom to the Rangers, but I thought that was the classic, like, let's, right. uh, you know, let's work some leverage here and make sure that the Mets know that they're teams that, you know, are willing to pay him and pay him, you know, X years and X dollars. And I don't know, you know, how it all went down. Did they go back to the Mets and did the Mets say, no, nope, you know, we're not going to go at this level. And so he did end up signing or, or what the deal was. You know, there are always reports on what the next best offer was. But I did not think Jacob DeGrom was going to be a Ranger. I, if you would have asked me of the two big arms, uh, I would have told you that I thought there was a, a higher likelihood that Carlos Rodon was going to be a Ranger. So uh, I, I was a little surprised by that, uh, but I'm not surprised that they did invest a lot of money in the rotation because it just, it, I think the ownership group is kind of tired of losing. And obviously, as I mentioned, Chris Young uh, certainly was tired of losing. And, you know, there's a, a difference. It's always, a, I feel like, a fine line as a GM uh, between being aggressive and being impatient. You know, when you're impatient, you, you start to make decisions that end up putting you in a bad spot. Uh, when you're aggressive, then, you know, you're you're maybe coming up a little short of that and, and still making prudent decisions. And uh, I think there are people that, that assess the Rangers offseason and will say that they were impatient. Uh, some people will say they're aggressive. Uh, all I know is that, you know, the depth that they have in their rotation is – uh, is something that this organization has honestly never had. Uh, this is this is right now, while everyone is still healthy, uh, the best rotation the Rangers franchise has ever had going into a season. And, uh, you know, if these guys even remotely stay healthy, then uh, they're going to be in a much better position to compete in an incredibly tough division with, you know, the Astros who just, they don't go anywhere. And, you know, I, I don't need to tell you guys this, uh, I think that organization that you guys get to watch all the time is uh, on the rise and a really fun team as well. Jared, I don't think anybody is yet to prove or any organization is yet to prove that you actually can have too much pitching, but the Rangers <laughs> do certainly have a ton of pitching right now, certainly a rotation and young arms coming as well. And I was talking with Gary a few weeks ago and I looked at that and I said, they could make a trade right now with what they have. You hear Brian Reynolds' name come up sometimes. Uh, you're young guys and you look at a lighter or even a rocker or any of your young pitching how likely is it that they do put together a trade, or do you think that you will see these arms in the rotation as well? Yeah, so I think it, it's a great point, Shannon, especially when they signed you know, Nathan Evaldi, you know, that freed up uh, you know, more flexibility in, in that department. And the Rangers, you know, unfortunately, one of the big stories for the Rangers here over the last decade is that you know, they have these guys who maybe have a high ranking or a high regard you know, based on these prospect publications, but they don't pan out or they become a role player. But the Rangers are, you know, so much better positioned from a, a depth standpoint uh, in their farm system. And it seems like they do have the top end talent. They don't have to make a move. You know, it's not it's not like they've got, uh, you know, the, the starting quarterback of the future and then the, you know, the next best quarterback and they can't play them both. You know, you're, what you said at the very beginning, you could never have too much pitching. Uh, I don't think they have to make a move, but they're definitely in a position where uh, if they want to upgrade their lineup, and I think they, they definitely need to. Uh, their lineup took a big step forward last year, but they still uh, have, you know, have room to grow there. Uh, that Whether it's now or maybe before the trade deadline, they've got the, the prospect capital to make not just a, you know, a, a mid-level move, but a big-time move and still have some depth. Uh, and, and I think that's the key here is that you know, a lot of teams can obviously make a big move with their prospects, but they're depleting their farm system. I don't know if these guys are going to turn into studs, 
But right now, you know, they haven't driven the car off the lot with all of them. And so the shine is still there. Uh, and they have the depth to, to make a big move and still have, a, you know, what would be considered a, a pretty good farm system. If the Rangers are going to compete for a playoff spot this upcoming year, what's going to be the, the biggest key? Well, they're going to have to figure things out, you know, with the bullpen. Uh, gosh, I mean, you guys want to make a bullpen for bullpen trade? We, we, let's, let's get Paul Seawald on here. Nope. See if he has any interest in coming in now. Hey, nope. The, the bullpen the bullpen still is a lot of work. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think the, the, if you want to talk about them through the lens of like, hey, a, a World Series competitor or contender, I should say, they, their lineup needs to improve. Now, their lineup's good enough to be a playoff lineup right now. It's not, not outstanding, but it is good, and it should be getting better with a lot of youth infused here in the next uh, maybe season, season and a half. Uh, but it, it still, I think, goes back to the pitching. And then uh, the health. You know, is Jacob DeGrom going to give you 25 starts or 15 starts? Is, uh, you know, Andrew Heaney going to be able to pick up where he left off second half of last year with the Dodgers? Nathan Avaldi, can he stay healthy? Because when these guys are healthy, they're really good. And Jacob DeGrom, when he's healthy, is maybe the best in baseball. Uh, they all they all have questions, uh, and it's it's not unfair to ask uh, or, or 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 side eye some of the moves because of that. But if you know even sixty percent of their rotation can stay really healthy, uh, and their bullpen can come together, and they can make some of the right you know bargain type moves with the bullpen, uh, then then they're a, a playoff contender. But Guys, I mean, it's not easy. I know that the, the playoffs have expanded. Uh, even with all this, the Rangers are still probably the third-best team in the division, right, you know, behind uh, behind the Mariners and the Astros, unless the Astros finally just kind of collapse, like, you know, we've all been hoping they, they would have done already. Uh, but it's really tough to make the playoffs when you're the third-best team in your division. And so, you know, that's going to be an incredibly big challenge. And that's, you know, the Rangers are competing – you know, to, to not be the third best team in the division. And that's, uh, you know, that's not going to be a, a downhill battle by any means. Visiting with Jared Sandler, play-by-play man for the Texas Rangers. Jared, I think one of the biggest off-season moves was uh, talking Bruce Bochy to coming back and getting back in the dugout. Great success with the Padres, super success with the Giants winning three World Series titles. What did it take to get Bochy uh, in your dugout? Well, Rick, I, I meant to say this earlier. I can't wait to see you at spring training. We're, we're about a month away. I'm going to give you a big hug when I see you, Rick. It's, uh, it's been too long. But uh, I, I uh, love you too, buddy. I, I think, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's honestly it's great talking to all of you. It, you know, it means that baseball's around the corner. And obviously, you know, for the Mariners coming off, you know, what an exciting last two years, really, but certainly last year. And the Rangers uh, hopefully can be relevant now for the first time in, in, in quite some time. But, uh, I think it's I think it's kind of what we've been talking about, Rick. I think that they sold Bruce Bochy on a plan. I don't know that Chris Young Garrett could be probably pretty upfront about, hey, we're going to spend, we're going to be aggressive. This is not going to be a finished product on opening day 2023, but you're also not going to have to sit through two more years of a, you know, a significant rebuild. You know, I don't think Bruce Bochy signs up if, uh, you know, the plan is to slow play it. And, uh, and so I think that was what was appealing to him. He's got family in, in the DFW area. I, you know, how much does that make a difference? I don't know. He um, did seem to be pretty familiar with where the Rangers were and their organizational trajectory, you know, that they did have a strong farm system, uh, that there was money to spend, 
But I, I think it all boils down to Chris Young going there. And they had a, they had an existing relationship. Bruce Bochy managed Chris Young when uh, Chris Young was pitching for the Padres at the end of Bochy's tenure with San Diego. But I think it comes down to Chris Young going there and say, hey, Bruce, uh, we're going to give you a chance to win because financially we're going to support this roster and we're prepared to do it in a big way. And I think that was probably really appealing to him. Well, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. I, too, will expect a hug in spring training, and I can't wait for that. So thank you. Well, Gary, your, your questions were the worst out of uh, you, Ricky Shannon. That's uh, always the case. So, Everyone yeah, knows so that. I don't know, I don't know if you've earned a hug, but uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll, we'll see what you do between now and then to see if we can get to that level. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks Jared. To see you guys. Thank you. There it is. Jared Sandler, one of the voices for the Texas Rangers. We have a great conversation coming up next. Paul Seawald is going to join us. That's going to happen right after this as the hot stove continues.